Good evening. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9. And it's good to be back with you and welcome to our weekly Bible study. As you know, we've been going through the book of Hebrews. So let me just read from Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm just going to read verse 1 through to verse 10. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstand, the table and the consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry out their ministry, but only the high priest entered in the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that they had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was shown by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. As long as the first tabernacle was still standing, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices were being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. They were only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations applying until the time of the new order. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for your word and we ask your blessing upon us now as we look at these words together, these can sometimes feel complicated to us, but we know that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you can open them up to us. And we ask you to do that now as we come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's chapter nine. It's quite a long chapter. And I did consider doing the whole chapter tonight. But what I will do, we'll just go part way through it. But let's start and I'll read uh, verses one to five just to remind us of what we've already read. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up in its first room where the lampstands and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant. This ark contained the golden jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Now the first readers of this letter will be very familiar with these words and familiar with the things that the writer is speaking about. I wonder if you remember that when we studied the book of Exodus, we looked at the importance of the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle was actually the tent, the tent that was placed within the court of the tabernacle. And it was the place where God dwelt with his people while they were in the wilderness. And then eventually when they came into the promised land. And that would eventually 
be replaced by the building of the temple, the temple in Jerusalem. And that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. And then it was rebuilt after the exiles returned to Jerusalem. And that temple is the temple that was still standing as these people, the first readers of this letter, would be reading it. That temple was still there. But it was soon to be destroyed. It would later be destroyed by the Romans. That happened in AD 70, never to be rebuilt. Now, under the new covenant, the approach to God supersedes the old covenant. But the old covenant never lost any of its importance. That's important for us to remember. And the writer to the Hebrews doesn't diminish that importance. He just puts it in the right place. So under the new covenant, the approach to God supersedes the old covenant, but the old covenant never lost any of its importance. The reason being is that it was a representative of something much greater. The tabernacle was the tent that had two compartments. The outer room spoke of the approach to the presence of God, the inner room was the dwelling place of God, which was a representation of heaven. Now the first room that was entered through the curtain was called the holy place. That contained the lampstand and the table of showbread. The second room was also entered through the curtain, the curtain that divided the two rooms, and this was called the most holy place. And in it was the gold-covered ark of the covenant. Now the phrase at the end of those few verses that we read, the phrase, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Well, I wonder if you're thinking what the writer meant by that. Well, what the writer meant was his idea is to draw attention to these things. Now the people would be familiar with them anyway. They would have been Jewish people who had been brought up in temple worship. And they would have known what these things were. They would have seen them in operation. And they were important to them. Now the reason that the writer says we cannot discuss these things in detail now is because, as I say, he's drawn the idea, the attention to these things so that he can explain them the superior importance of Christ. You see, this is his point. Here he wants to show that they were all made of earthly materials. This is the tabernacle and the temple. They were made of earthly materials. And these earthly materials were temporary things. Now, even the temple that was still standing in their day was the same temple that was standing when Jesus was teaching his disciples in his three years of public ministry. And I want to read to you a verse from Mark chapter 13 in relation to this. This is Mark 13, verse 1 and 2. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones! What magnificent buildings. Listen to what Jesus said. Do you see all these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone 
here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. We go to John chapter 2, verse 19 and 22. This is Jesus speaking again. Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It's taken 40 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scriptures and the words that Jesus had spoken. You see, Jesus was talking about him as being the temple. But as soon as the word temple was mentioned, people immediately jumped to conclusions and thought of that what they considered to be the magnificent building in Jerusalem where the priests ministered, where the high priest ministered, and where they offered their sacrifices and where they went to worship God. The place where people can meet God today is not through the door of a building, it is through the one who is the door, the person who is Jesus Christ. And that's what the writer wants these these Christians, these Jewish Christians, to grab hold of. They already know it, they already believe it. But they need that assurance and that guidance. And what the writer is doing here, he's looked at the tabernacle, he's looked at the temple, he's looked at the greatness of it, and now he said, look, there is a greater temple. You don't need to go through the door of the temple, but you do need to go through the door. Jesus is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And you've been through that door. That's what he's saying to them. So why do you want to go back and go through the other door? Now the writer uh, moves on from the place to the people. So we've looked at the temple, the tabernacle. Now we're going to look at the priesthood. We see that in verses nine, th- uh, verse 7 through to 10 in chapter 9. Let's just read those verses. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry out their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that they had committed in ignorance. So the writers of the Hebrews will remind them of the things that would happen under the old covenants and the things that the people involved in that way of worship would do. The role of the priests. The priests would enter that first room, the holy place, daily, in the morning, in the evening, and they would do their duties. They would minister there. Now, only the high priest could enter into the holy of holies, and that was only on one day a year, and he couldn't do it without the shedding of blood because he not only had to cover the sins of the people, but he had to cover his own sins. Then we come to verse 8. 
The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. You see, God had not shown them why it was like this. They had to do these things. And the real reason was that they were a representative of something else, something greater, something that would come and supersede these things. But they had to do it under the old covenant, the way God had told them. And they had to do it the right way because of the importance of what they meant. And for them to do it any other way would be punishable by death. But when the time was right, the change would come and the Holy Spirit would reveal it. And that's happened to these people. And the writer here is giving them confirmation of it. So let's move to verse 9 and 10 of chapter 9. This is an illustration for the present time. In other words, it was for them, their present time. It's for us in our time. This is an illustration for the present time indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. They were only a matter of food and drink, various ceremonial washings, external regulations, applying until the time of the new order. So they are illustrations. And us, like them, need to see that. They were indicative of the gifts and sacrifice that would eventually be made, but the ones that they were making were material things. They were food and drink and various ceremonial washings, external regulations. They would apply until the time of the new covenant. You see, the old way, while being right at the time, was inferior to the new covenant. What was the sign that the old covenant had given way to the new? Well, the most graphic sign was the fact that God ripped open the veil that divided the two rooms. The two rooms became one room and were an indication that the approach to God had changed. We read these words in Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 to 51. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. This is the account of the crucifixion. This is God demonstrating in a very graphic and a very real way. When that curtain was ripped, the old covenant had ended. But the new covenant had begun. These verses are showing that the place of worship, the tabernacle, the temple, the way of worship, the priesthood and the sacrifices, the offering for worship, they were all part of the old covenant. 
they were all important. But the new covenant has now brought a far superior way. We've looked at the place of worship, the tent, the tabernacle, the temple. But that wasn't complete. There was more to it than just that. But it represented something that was greater. The way of worship, the priesthood, the high priest. They were right at the time, but they were representative of something greater. The sacrifices offered for worship were right at the time, but they were part of something greater. And what I want to do, I want to finish for this evening on this point. And next time we'll continue and we'll go to verse 11 and go through probably to the end of the chapter. But before we leave this little bit here, I want you to just pick up on the start of the 11th verse. I want you to take something away from this, which really is underlining everything we've been looking at. You see, the 11th verse starts with these words. But when Christ came. This is a call from the writer. This is a call to look away from the old covenant and to look towards the new. Christ has come. Let's just go a little bit ahead and I'll finish with what we will see next week. I just want to compare the old and the new covenants in a very, very brief outline. And what I'd like you to do as well is to read through this whole chapter 9 and consider the things that we've been talking about and have a look against the the, the rest of of the book of Hebrews and even the rest of God's Word. And maybe you've got a few um, Bible commentaries there you'd like to check through. It's good to do these things. We'd learn together. But listen to this and we'll finish with this bit. The old, repeated sacrifices. The new, one sacrifice. The old, the blood of others. Many others, many times. The new, his own blood. The old, covering sin. Sin was covered. The new, sin was put away. The putting away of sin was putting away of those sins in the past that had been covered under the old way and the sins up to his return. The old way, only for Israel. The new way, for all sinners. The old way. The high priest, when he'd done his work, left the Holy of Holies. Jesus entered heaven and remained there because his work was finished. The high priest, when he came out, he came out of the Holy of Holies to bless the people. Under the new, Jesus will come to take his people home to heaven. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for the short time that we spent here together. And we know that some of these things might be difficult for us to understand, but we just pray that we will, by the power of your Holy Spirit, take them to heart. 
Father, we thank you again. Thank you that we come in the name of Jesus and in his name we ask these things in your presence. Amen.